Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Maybe you turn 55 or 65 in 2023 and you know you can withdraw a chunk from your retirement account. Well, question is, just because you can, should you? We'll weigh the pros and the cons for you in today's show. We'll also take a closer look at the changes to the CPF that kick in from this year, from increased contribution rates for a certain cohort to the raising of the basic retirement sum. What does this mean for you if you can't reach that sum? We'll figure it all out with the help of our friend Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident. Good morning, Chris. How's Monday looking? Hi, good morning, Michelle. Yeah, Monday is good so far. That's good to hear. All right, to start off, maybe we'll have an umbrella overview. Walk us through some of the key changes that you think are important that will be happening to the CPF this year. Yeah, I think there are a few changes. The first set of changes have to do with what I call the increase of all the sums. Uh, what do I mean? Well, firstly, basic retirement sum has been increased from 96000 to 99400 And since BRS, or basic retirement sum, has been increased, then so do the rest of the sums. Uh, FRS, full retirement sum, from one hundred ninety-two k to $198,800. ERS, enhanced retirement sum, from 288000 to $298,200. And of course, uh, for our MediSafe, the basic health sum has also gone up from sixty six. to $68,500. So these are the first set of changes. The second change is uh, uh, probably something that I don't think a lot of people monitor, and that is uh, before 1st January 2023, at age 65, uh, well, CPF board will go and check your retirement account. If your retirement account has not met the full retirement sum of your cohort, a second deduction, first from special account and then ordinary account, will be done automatically to meet the FRS. But the change is this. From this year onwards, the deduction will not be automatic and will only happen when one triggers the drawdown of your CPF life. So I think, I mean, there are a few other changes, but these are the two major ones. So why are we seeing these changes now? Why go from something that was automatic to now that doesn't happen? What do you think these changes really mean for the man on the street? Yeah, I guess for, I mean, the change with regard to the auto deduction, I mean, there is really no need to move the monies from SA first and OA to RA if you are not drawing down at CPF life. Because for some people, they might want to subsequently top it up with cash into the RA. They don't want their OA and SA to be moved to RA. So I think CPF board is giving more flexibility. So for people who are not drawing down, then, well, CPF board will not uh, do the deductions. Right, so you have more time to decide what you want to do. With regard to the sums, they have increased so that it can hedge against inflation. A higher BRS, FRS, or ERS at your age 55 years old will simply mean that uh, 10 years later, your CPF life payouts will be more. And of course, a higher basic health sum means that you can better cope with medical inflation. I mean, we all know that medical expenses have been going up. So with more in your MediSafe, one can then cope with uh, rising medical expenses, especially when you are in retirement. Some might be wondering if the basic healthcare sum is being raised to 68500 from 66000 What happens if I don't have enough to, to meet that? Minimum. Uh, yeah, so that's fine. I mean, there's no penalty if you are not going to meet your basic health sum. But if okay. you are working, right, because you are still contributing, well, you will continue to receive this contribution into your MediSafe 
until you hit your basic health sum. I mean, in the past, for those of us whom we have already hit our basic health sum, uh, we know that whatever extra uh, contribution, uh, it will be redirected first to your special account if you are below 55 years old. So that might not be a bad thing. Right? Some people actually like it. But well, if uh, this year the basic health sum has been increased again, well, then your, your future work contribution will now go back to your Medisafe to build up the basic health sum again before it can be redirected to other accounts. Is it a good idea to think of topping up? And the basic healthcare sub, basic question here, is that in your Medisafe? Is that where the BHS is found? Yes, absolutely. So your BHS refers to your Medisafe amount. Now, uh, your question really is, do we need to top it up? Well, you don't have to if you don't want to, because as I have said, right, if you are still working, your regular contributions will help you get there ultimately. But, you know, there are some people, they want to hack the CPF, so-called. They want more money to quickly go to the special account because, well, that's for retirement. So some people, they will top up the Medisafe very quickly to reach the BHS so that future contributions can be quickly redirected to the SAA and compound interest. And when they reach 55 years old, it's just a bigger amount in special accounts. So some people will top up their Medisafe for that reason. I see, I see. Okay, so for those thinking I'm saving for my retirement, should I, with my extra cash, be investing it or should I be putting more money to meet all these new changes in the basic requirements for my CPF accounts? What do you think? Yeah, so I, I think it really depends on individual. I mean, some people, they don't like the risk associated with investments, right? So they feel that it is safer to at least build their basic foundation with the CPF. So if you've got extra money, I mean, it's bonus season, you know, for the lucky few, if we still have bonus uh, this year, I mean, you might want to consider topping up your special account very quickly so that it can compound and grow. But for other people whom they might be more savvy, well, they might feel that, well, I know special account is giving me a good 4% or they can't top up anymore because they have already reached the max. Well, it might be a good time to consider using this money to invest and uh, markets have come down since last year. So it really depends on individual needs. One of the changes that has caught a lot of eyeballs, the ability for people to withdraw 20% from their retirement account um, from this year. What do you think are the pros and cons of taking such a chunk out from your retirement account up to 20% the moment you turn 65? Yeah, so actually this change uh, is not just this year. It's always been there. I think we put in place, I mean, when I was with the CPA advisory panel, this was a recommendation that we put forward. And so it was effective, if I'm not wrong, in 2016 or 2017, uh, thereabout. Yeah, but basically what that means is that when you reach the age of 65 years old, CPA board allows you to do a second lump sum withdrawal. Because the first lump sum withdrawal, Michelle, if you remember, uh, was at age 55, right? We can take out whatever after we set aside the full retirement sum. Now, mm-hmm. the second lump sum withdrawal is at age 65. So, as I mentioned, CPA board allows you to take up to 20% of your uh, amount in RA. Now, if you do that, well, what mm-hmm. that means is that you will have lesser in your RA. And what that means is that subsequently, your CPF life payout might not be as much. Yeah, but... Well, some people need it. I mean, when we were discussing about this, some of our Muslim friends, you know, at the age of 65, they might want to go for their Hajj. Well, it's a useful, I mean, this place, this uh, RA is one place whereby they can take out this money and they can go for their Hajj. So it's really a balance, right? If, whether you need the lump sum today, if you don't need it, 
then I'll say don't take it out, keep it in your RA so that your CPF life payout can be more. So basically, as long as you've set aside your full retirement sum after 55, you can think about what you want to do with the second withdrawal at 65. That's right. I mean, it's up to you. Uh, it's actually from age 65, so you know you want to take it out at 66. That's uh, not a problem. I mean, you should decide whether you want to take out before you trigger the start of your CPF life. So it's that flexibility from age 65 onwards, whether you want to take out. But like, again, like I say, do balance it uh, with the amount that you're going to get out from your CPF life payment. The more mm-hmm. you take out, the lesser will be CPF life payment. Uh, and I'm not sure whether with the CPF life and whether that's sufficient for you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is there a lifetime limit of how much you can withdraw from your RA? Uh, lifetime, no. I mean, there's no lifetime limit. As I mentioned, the first withdrawal, uh, lump sum withdrawal, that is, comes uh, when you are age 55. So you can take out anything after you set aside your FRS, right? And then the the, the only second time, Michelle, the only second time is from age 65. You can take out a lump sum. And then subsequently, once you start your CPF life payout, uh, there's no lump sum withdrawal you know, anymore because everything will be streamed out on a monthly basis for life. Okay, so let's recap for the listener who's just joined us. We are talking about, you know, what we can expect when it comes to the CPF system from this year. Can you help us understand what exactly happens to our CPF accounts when we turn 65 from this year? Right. Well, so at age 65, uh, you can now ask CPF to start the CPF live payout. Right, that's the first thing. I mean, you. I mean, you can, or you. I mean, you don't have to, right? Because you can up to age seventy to do that. But well, the minute that you want to withdraw your CPF, uh, or rather, the minute you want to trigger the CPF life payout, CPF board will first check whether your IA has met the full retirement sum of your cohort, right? And if you have not met the full retirement sum of your cohort, they will do a second deduction. And I'm assuming that you have money still in SA and OA. They will do a second deduction from your SA and then your OA, automatic, or rather not automatically, they will do it then to meet the full retirement sum. Uh, this is as opposed to uh, in the past, last year, whereby you know whether or not you are going to trigger the draw out of your CPF life, they will do the deduction anyway. Right, so uh, this year it depends on when you want to trigger the CPF life uh, payout. But if you can't reach the full retirement sum, even after all the moving from SA and OA, rest assured that there is no penalty. It is just that your payouts will be lower as compared to someone if you have got FRS. So that's the main change. Now, last week's auction for Singapore's latest six-month treasury bills had a cut-off yield of 3.88%. We just did a show recently about whether or not you should buy Singapore savings bonds or uh, T-bills and investor appetite for that. And I remember my guest talking about using your OA or your SA to buy SSB or T-bills. Let's just focus on uh, what you think of using OA and SA to buy those treasury bills. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you, you can actually use your OA and SA to buy your T-bills, but then don't just look at the cut-off yield, right? Because why? Uh, let me explain that. Well, so maybe let me give an example. So let's say for the first situation, let's assume that the auction date of the T-bill is in January and the issue month of the T-bill is also in January, right? And what that means is that the maturity month of the T-bill will be six months later, assuming you have bought a six-month T-bill, will be in July, right? So from January all the way until July, well, your CPF will not 
earn that seven month of interest for the money that you take out to buy T-bills right now. So you cannot just use um, 2.5% as the break-even yield to decide whether to buy T-bills because effectively the monies that you have taken out from your OA has left the account for about seven months. So if you do a simple calculation, the break-even for the T-bill to make it uh, worthwhile will be 2.92%, right, which is seven months divided by six multiplied by 2.5%, 2.92, right? And if you want to use your special account to buy the T-bill, it's even higher because the special account is at 4%. So you have to use seven divided by six multiplied by 4%, which is about 4.67%. So now look, to get 4.67% from you know, T-bill is not easy. I mean, we have never seen that number before, right? So the answer is, if you want to use OA to buy T-bill, I would say, yes, you can consider doing that. But I will definitely not encourage one to use special account money to buy T-bill because the break-even uh, cut-off yield is just simply too high. Thanks for doing the maths for us, Chris. Now, one of the biggest changes when people look at the CPF is the increase in the contribution rates for employees aged between 55 and 70, following the recommendations of the tripartite work group on older workers. So it's up 0.5% for the employee to 14.5% for this cohort, uh, 55 to 70. And for the employer, it's up 1%. So the question is, in an inflationary environment, when people hear um, the contribution rates are going up, which means I've got to put more aside from my salary, my wage. What do you think this means in terms of impact on daily lives and cash flow for this age group, 55 to 70? Yeah, so I mean, the main objective when CPF board, when the government decided to do that, is to make sure that, well, the seniors will have more money when they retire. Right, but whether or not it's going to affect them in the cash flow. Uh, personally, my opinion is that the increase is not significant for the employee. Right. Now, let me explain. Right. So, from people who are uh, above 55 to 60 years old, as you have mentioned, uh, before the change, uh, the current contribution, total contribution, is 28%. Uh, as you have mentioned, it's going to increase by 1.5% to 29.5%. Right. But, well, the employee is just getting an increase of 1% more. Right. And then subsequently, for people who are even older, let me give an example. People who are above 65 to 70 years old, the increase is uh, another 1.5%. Well, and again, the employee pays that 1%. So it's just about 1% more. And assuming that the senior, say, is a low-income worker and earns $2,000 per month, it's just an additional 20%, uh, $20 deduction. So I, I don't think that it will impact cash flow that much. I mean, that's my opinion. I think it's mm -hmm. manageable. Uh, but what is more important that, is that the senior is still getting that uh, extra contribution from his, uh, from his employer or from her employer. And hopefully when uh, he or she retires later on, uh, he will have more in his retirement account and the CPF life payout can be a bit more. What age are you planning to retire, Chris? Well, as, as soon as you are ready. <laughs> if you are ready, you should retire yesterday. Of, of course, in today's terms, right? I mean, retirement is not about sitting around doing nothing. But basically, you are financially independent. You are working not because you have to work, but you are working because you enjoy working. So whenever you are ready, I mean, if you have got money, then you can do that yesterday.
I love that answer. Thank you for that. Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident, helping us understand the trade-offs when making retirement withdrawals and the changes to the CPF system that allow you to do that. It sounds really promising, right? Because with pay now, you can withdraw the funds from your CPF mm. and have them deposited into your bank account almost instantly. But there are retirement needs, retirement lifestyles uh, to consider. And you want to think about how these withdrawals will mean reduced monthly payouts for your future. And you can think about your options of using your withdrawable savings, could they alternatively be converted to schemes that boost your monthly payout? So we hope we've given you food for thought. Christopher Tan, CEO of Provident, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. You've been listening to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.